Graham singing along at a University of Maryland basketball game. And singer Kelly Clarkson tweeted, that's my kind of mama. Pam Coulter, CBS News. The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff or management of visionary-related entertainment. Aloha, Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkhardt, how you doing? It is the Solar Coaster. Solar Coaster episode number 84. This is our Future Focus Orphans show. Pretty excited to do this one. <laughs> oh, man. I've been, I've been waiting for this for a little while. You know, um, every, every show we get entrenched in what we're talking about, and we never quite get to that last segment, which is our Future Focus, <laughs> where we take a look at interesting and weird technologies that yeah. may that are certain, certainly aren't ready yet, but they're coming down the pipe. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I'm describing the uh, solar coaster to people, I say, ah, we do news and events, and then we do this kind of main focus, and we get all these great people in from all around the world, and then we do this Future Focus. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, liar. <laughs> we never do yeah, it. We, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't actually do the Future Focus, right? <laughs> I really need to improve that. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So this this is, this is our catch-up show for Future Focus. We're basically going to go back and talk about all the interesting things, plus the current news of the day in, in the Future Focus area. Um, so all the things we never got to talk about before. Oh, yeah. And we we have a, a mystery guest that just popped into Maui, uh, Maui uh, OGG that I see him coming in the door right now. We'll give him a second. Oh, there he is. <laughs> uh, he's going to be in in a second. We'll introduce him. But uh, hey, grab a seat right here, Doug. How you doing, buddy? Excellent. Good. How are you guys? Good. There's your headset. There's your headset. We are honored to have uh, former Renewable Energy Commissioner and uh, and solar hustler Doug McLeod on air. He's a veteran, contributor to the solar coaster. How are you, sir? Not too bad. How are you? Happy Aloha Friday. This guy's a trooper. I'll tell you what, I pinged him via tax, and he's like, yeah, I'm just hitting the ground at the airport. I'm like, well, come on over. Join the show. He's like, all right, no problem, Josh. <laughs> so, thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. We're going to jump right into our uh, housekeeping, and we'll uh, we'll dig into the rest of it very shortly. So, hey, folks, we are The Solar Coaster, a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Ko'oi 1110 AM. We've got some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Country. This is a call-in show. 808-242-7800. 808-242-7800 is the call-in line if you want to call us, stump us, or introduce new, confusing, and awesome technology. We've got a great website. www.solar-coaster.com. You can listen live anywhere in the world if you're not in our broadcast area. Uh, we have lots of photos in there coming up from our interesting adventures all over the uh, all over the world. And uh, the blog tab is currently broken still, unfortunately. Gotcha. Uh, but you can go to our Facebook, uh, The Solar Coaster on Facebook. It's actually facebook.com slash The Solar Coaster as well. You can see what, what we're up to there. Uh, of course, on the actual website, the solar-coaster.com website, you can go down and sign in for our mailing list and or submit questions. So if you can't call in during the show, you can still get your question on air. Just go down, go to the solar coaster website and fill it in we're also on podcast networks itunes stitcher and tune in all carry the solar coaster just type in solar coaster and you're ready to run absolutely sponsors that i kept the solar coaster on air maui solar project tabuchi electric america sonin pika energy sundrum solar uh thank you so much sponsors for supporting the solar coaster over 84 glorious episodes all right what do you say so we do the, thank you thank you should we do the news and events let's go right to it okay um, Canada man drives on sunshine with his with solar and his Tesla Model 3. This is a clean technic article. Um, Russell uh, work spoke to the Oliver Chronicle, which is actually a local paper up in Canada. Um, he actually in Canada has been able to make um, solar and charging essentially off grid um, to his Model 3 work in the real world, which is nice. which is a pretty good thing, you know. Um, but there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes into it. He had to he had to oversize his solar a lot, uh-huh. and um, and it, it cost a significant amount. You know, it was not it was not cheap. Um, Twenty three thousand dollars was what he ended up having to spend on the solar because Canada solar in Canada is non optimal, right? I mean, you have an angle of incidence that isn't fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're up there in uh, what the latitudes like the 
50s and that kind of territory or something. Yeah, yeah. Right? Almost get up to Alaska where you have that famous building that they put the solar panels right on the side, right? That big one, Doug. Uh, I actually met the guy that sold that. He was all cool. And stuff, you know? Oh, what are you doing? Is that me? <laughs> yeah. Any, any, anyway, um, he expects that the system will take about 11 years to pay off completely, at uh-huh. which point then he's he's essentially free. Um, but that's including the car and the um, and the system. So, I mean, he's, he's driving for free. He has, uh, after, after this, after the initial install and manufacturing of this, of this equipment, he's got a, a zero carbon footprint, right? Um, it's It's... Pretty cool. <laughs> oh, we had a 29.3 kilowatt solar install up there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I said it. That's why I said it was expensive and that's large. I, 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 don't, I don't know where I don't know where he was able to put it. I mean, can you put 20? Let's 30 kW on a on a residential roof. Up I don't in think Canada? so. I don't know. I don't know. That's amazing. All right. Well, big, I mean, big big house, big house. <laughs> so in in, te- in Tesla news, I have one other quick thing uh-huh. is that uh, I got I got I got news across my desk that someone has hacked their Model Three. Uh, uh, yeah. Installed Linux. Installed Linux on the system and has root access. Um, this is a little con- of a, a lot of concern to me because if you can imagine a world where people can just like kind of hack your car and or if they're autonomous, they just drive themselves around and and someone can get into it is is a significant concern. So I'm going to put it out to Tesla, uh, make a comment on this particular development and recommit to uh, system security, if you I'm, would. I'm telling you, this is a, a, an action movie with like some conservative film star. Please you know, don't. Sponsored Please by don't. Big Oil Money. I mean, it's like a guaranteed funder, oh, of course. right? Yeah, the, the problem, the problem <laughs> Who is for the me most is that conservative uh, uh, the so guy in Hollywood nowadays? Is it Chuck Norris or something like that, one of those guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, All the man. cars turned against you. I think we saw that movie, but it was it was a sci-fi thing or, right. or a horror thing. Very All the good. cars turn against you. Yeah, it's messed Very up. Very good. <laughs> which which one is next, Jay? Is this the uh, um, so the new initiative to mitigate risk? That one. Yep, new initiative to mitigate risk for global solar. Now, if we, if you remember, I want to say years back, but it really is just months. Uh, World Bank decided to not fund any more exploratory. Uh, digs for oil or oh, coal. Right. They're they're out of the fossil fuel game completely. But now they're going back and they're going back with the agents, agency for development of France um, is developing a joint global solar risk mitigation initiative, the SRMI. Um, but it's an integrated approach to tackle policy, technical, and financial issues for scaling up solar deployment. And their target is to raise one they have 1000 billion which is weird that's 1 trillion uh, mm-hmm. 1 trillion dollars in public and private investment to finance a thousand gigawatt of global solar capacity um targeting that's, that's relatively just, small under 20 megawatts solar projects yeah right, Those are <laughs> right. Tiny. So, so it's like lots of just lots of little dots all over the place so uh, but that's like yeah let's put together a couple of those talking about just and they're talking they're talking about distribution basically distributed system so they want they want this big distributed system which mitigates the risk because even if one is damaged by whatever weather event you still have all the others you know uh, okay so, so they're, they're going to spend ten dollars a watt to do that is that, is that what that was <laughs> it sure sounded like it didn't it <laughs> oh you just did the math real fast yeah. oh yeah yeah Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would hope not. Um, but, but they are. Remember, these are small play, small developments in weird places. So they're talking about twenty meg solar projects or under small, under twenty megawatts. So is this is and, global, right? They're talking about probably a lot of developed world environments where this is kind of a really what could have a not, big impact, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, <clears> just, just transportation <throat> is so going to be the big issue. Yeah, I think that's it's, going to be. However, solar deployment has been slow in emerging markets, particularly Africa, due to layers of risk perceived by the private sector. Correct. Funding. Okay, so they're saying we're going to try to stabilize that risk and we're going to get more and more of these 20 meg under kind of uh, projects into environments like that that's pretty yeah and 20 and 20 meg in that kind of environment is huge right i mean they don't use a lot of electricity anyway so that basically really puts them into the into a first world energy system but it's big in our environment it's 15 megs up (laughs) above maui meadows (laughs) so All right. Okay. Let's take a look here what else is going on um oh yeah so i I included this broken promises one yeah I yeah. want you to reference this as because uh, because MSP is an installer. Full disclosure, sure, sure. Um, they're a sponsor here. Um, broken promises cost solar customers big bucks. Now this is a lady in Florida yeah. who was sold a system from a third party, and and I guess the the, the installer, the actual installer, the sales system, and the the, the solar 
company mm. that installed it are not the same. And so there's a bit of a disagreement with who promised what and and the yeah. sale. She, she was promised a lot of savings. She didn't get it. Um, I'm not even sure her system is on. I mean, she's talking about they were promised more than $200, $230 a month savings on her electric bill. Uh, she has a $200 to $300 bill, so she was basically going for neutral, energy neutral. Yeah. Um, and she said her her bill dropped maybe $25 a month. That doesn't make sense. She I, I counted the panels on her roof, mm. and it looks like there's about um, 12, <laughs> which is not a lot. Um, yeah, do you recognize I, the inverter on the wall? Uh, yeah, I think I saw. It looks like an SMA. Um, you know, yeah. the um, the thing about the reason I, 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 ch I chose this article is I start to see this little kind of uh, peppering of anti-solar sentiment across the country. And it tends to consolidate, if I'm not mistaken here, into these areas that are anti-rooftop uh, uh, solar, like Florida, for example, you know. And so, mm -hmm. when I saw this, I thought, "Oh, it's Florida. Oh, it's you know, it's it's a, it's a negative. Uh, it's kind of it's almost like an attack piece on solar, and it very well may be legitimate. Yeah. And you know, as you look at it, you can on the other side of the fence. When you think about the industry, yeah, you have third party, you have financing groups out there that are kind of selling a bunch of solar, and then they're contracting it out to local electricians, uh, in in some cases. And then maybe uh, you know, there are clients that have gotten caught in between that and then didn't get what they were promised. I could certainly see that's possible, right? Um, mm -hmm. And when you look at this, when she starts talking about the reduction in her bill, kind of smacks of a, although she says uh, she paid $28,000, I wonder, and I started to think, oh, maybe that's a prepaid PPA or something, and it's a, I don't know, but it, it, but yeah, I, I don't know if this is it a sounds, It sounds concern. very high for the size of this install. They have very clear pictures of it, and it doesn't look like a $30,000 right. install. And then again, you just have the, are, are you doing your due diligence when, as, a, as a, you know, caveat emptor, right? Are you doing your due diligence as, sure. a, as, a, as, sure. a, as a person that's buying something to make sure that you're getting a good value? Um, it's certainly a, a critical thing because the the industry is so important and you wouldn't want you know some bad apples to go and poison the whole barrel so to speak or you know and that certainly could yeah, be happening yeah, out there and I, you know in the industry we, we we often say it we'll say hey there's the, there's the right side of solar and then there's some other cats out there that are doing things we don't really like too much so uh yeah i don't know doug what do you think yeah we don't we don't uh, you know in this case it, it, looking at the panel count i mean you got to assume that uh, this is like a 4KW system or so, mm -hmm. and you know if she really spent $28,000 without a battery, that's way over market anyway, and right. then the production seems way too low. So I, I don't know the answer. I personally haven't really run into a lot of horror stories in Hawaii, and I don't think you guys have either. I hear the a very occasional story of someone who's got a roof leak from a penetration, but mm -hmm. I really don't mm -hmm. run into these things where uh, literally people are just saying it doesn't work. You know, that hasn't been my experience at all. Yeah, I mean, I think out here we we um, well, we, there's such a savings. You know, it's I don't know in Florida maybe the um, the the difference. What's the cost of electricity in Florida? It's probably not that high. It's probably like less than ten cents or something. Right? Ten, eleven, yeah, depending right. on which utility. So there's not that big of a delta in the potential savings, right? And then I don't know what the uh, state side incentives look like in Florida, but we certainly have that as well to kind of further drive it. So uh, who knows? I mean, it could be uh, a matter of just over promises. It could be a bunch of things, but uh, we definitely got to make sure that um, <clears throat> that we do a good job in the industry and take care of people because it's so important so do a good job in the industry but also how as as the customer do your due diligence find fo i mean so many people have solar find a friend who has it find out what their experience were find out who installed it um get the coconut wireless going and sure. and figure sure. out who's doing a good job absolutely so hey <laughs> it's as simple as that let's jump over to this uh utility scale thing because this kind of was the one i was waiting to hear about right uh, sure. SF gate solar industry blames tariffs for canceled and delayed projects and of course we saw this you know uh, this has been a discussion point the tariffs what's the impact gonna be what's the impact gonna be and this one here it's from sfgate.com uh, it, it seems to say that there's an eight billion dollars worth of utility scale solar projects that were canceled or put on hold um, for this five-year period that ends in 2022 so um, this is what do you think about this Doug this is certainly your neck of the woods it definitely is happening, but there's really two things we got to talk about. First, you know, most of us think about the panels as the tariff issue, but in fact, it's been the steel yeah. and the aluminum that really has been the big surprise. So my experience that, right now yeah. is no one will quote more than about 90 days out on pricing, which makes it really tough. And I understand why they say that, because of they're worried about a new tariff, but makes it hard to plan. And I have seen uh, this affect the project. You know, my, my experience a lot of times is when people cancel these projects, they're looking for reasons to cancel it. You know, they may have been a little too aggressive <laughs> on their pricing anyway. But they went through the RFP process and yeah, they go, oh, I don't know. Yeah, and there's certainly some of that. But, but definitely this is a real thing. And in terms of panels, though, I mean, you saw it. 
you know, SBI, the number of companies that you might think of as a Chinese company that will just say, well, we'll make it in our factory now in India or Turkey. I mean, there's the, the panels right. haven't been as big of a driver, but the steel is really a big deal right now. Yeah, there's a series of other pieces to the uh, the puzzle of creating a utility scale project that all of them are being impacted by these tariffs. And that was the part that surprised I, I was a little bit of a surprise. I, I think yeah. we were so kind of uh, looking at the, the tariffs on the solar panels themselves, we didn't think, oh, wow, all this is going to impact it as well. I wonder what the overall, because we at one point we were able to figure out the uh, price per watt impact from the tariffs, right? But I wonder what the overall price And it wasn't a lot. Was. No, it, it was like a nickel or something or even less. But, but but in terms of where it's at now, I mean, it could be is it, is it 50 cents a watt. I mean, is it 25 cents a watt? I mean, it's got to be in somewhere in that range, no? It's a great question. I don't have the answer. I think it's probably at least 25 cents a watt on the ground mount stuff. Right. And that's um, a big deal when you look at um, projects that on the mainland, as I understand it, having spoken with some of your buddies, actually, uh, south of a dollar, uh, major scale utility stuff like in Texas, for example, uh, is, is doable. So if you're looking at... 25 cents a watt delta, let's use an operating assumption, that could be 30% of your overall project cost. I mean, just like impossible. And again, you know, these are the kinds of things that over time you can source from other places. There's nothing particularly unique, you know, as far as technology of the steel. It's just, you know, no one ever thought there was a big risk here and and didn't have any issue with sourcing from overseas. So I think mainly it's an uncertainty thing, you know, right now. And uh, just makes people hesitate and get worried that if you don't have some out for a tariff that you know you're going to have this wild card effect and something new is going right, to pop up right not a good time to have that uncertainty i mean if you're if you if you're uh, watching what's happening with the ipcc and watching what happened with the federal report on climate change it's a scary time out there we need to be making some major headway on a lot of fronts we're going to talk about some of these things moving forward but uh yeah don't like to see delays with that kind of stuff now or uncertainty um okay how about scientific american jay if you take looking at this the experts uh one Absolutely. I mean, this has this been the big conversation. California finally um, got the final roadblocks out of the way for their rooftop solar rule. So this is similar to our hot water mandate, where on a new construction, they need to install PV. <clears throat> Pardon. Now, there's not a whole lot of information on exactly how much PV <laughs> gets you over the requirement, uh, but they're expecting right. it to be a, to, to add about 93, 95 hundred dollars to the cost of an average home install which is not insignificant um, but I think there's a lot of positives to this as well they, they there's there's a lot of people griping about it um, because of the sheer volume of uh, energy use in California right um, they have a huge amount of vehicles on the road they estimated that this would take um, was it a hundred 15,000 fossil fuel cars mm-hmm. off the yeah, road, that's the, number. The, equi- the, the equivalent of, um, but they actually have 25 million cars registered in the state. So it's, it's, it's not a huge amount of money. And people, people are thinking that it's, it would be way better to invest in larger scale utility projects where you can get that economy of scale. You put that all out on, on the grid for everybody to use. It's not only on new construction, you know? Um, but there's a good, a practical upshot for this that I think is really interesting is that if you get that solar on the house and builders are for thinking enough um, to, to put in a nice EV charger, it may actually get a lot of people to convert to EV. Yeah, that was one of the as, takeaways. as they move in. Yeah, yeah. That was, it, it could be a it could be in a time where it starts to encourage uh, people that maybe wouldn't have thought about an EV going out. Ah, well, I have solar. I can build out the solar some more, and I can utilize this infrastructure that's already in my home. They did say nine thousand five hundred dollar right. average uh, increase in cost, but nineteen thousand dollars savings over a thirty year mortgage. Yeah, well, but real estate in California is also way out of bounds mm-hmm. anyway. So I mean, that's it's not a huge. Dad, what do you think I think it adds a lot of value. I yeah, I, I do too, of course. But I mean, when you also have the uh, the the energy security component and the diversification of kind of locations of energy generation and security related to the grid too. But I mean, Doug, what are your thoughts here? There's kind of this: should we move more towards utility scale? We just talked about some of the problems with uh, the build of these utility scale systems, and that, or should we be focusing more on rooftop? Or is there some kind of balance in between that we should be striking? I mean, it's, it's, I really haven't figured this out. I think there's a lot of variables, you know, first, just on on fairness and affordability, you know, we're all concerned about affordable housing now. And, you know, this is an additional cost. And so, you know, there's some people that are going to have issues, you know, with it that way. Um, As far as really what 
what we do, you know, there's clearly a tension uh, here in Hawaii between uh, distributed, which people really relate to emotionally, and lower cost utility scale methods of, of mm-hmm. making the power. And so, you know, if you think about it, it, the support that the public has for solar, which is enormous here in Hawaii, okay. you know, that that really came off of the distributed side, right? It wasn't like seeing a, a big field of panels really is what drove right. people into solar it was it was doing it on their own home so you you kind of need to keep that i think to have the political support for solar oh you know you need yeah. to, you need to make sure that there's always a path forward we had a, a period about six months ago where you know people felt you really couldn't connect to the grid at the distributed level without a battery but we had these big utility scale projects going forward so again it's a fairness issue that way right mm-hmm. i mean but at this moment you know, you at the distributed level can connect, you know, to Hawaiian Electric's grid. So that kind of goes away. And I, I will say the other piece of this is, you know, backsliding. So one of the advantages of what California has done is they said that as new construction comes online, it's going to come online with some renewable. Mm. Everything we've done here traditionally has been an after-the-fact build. So you, you build the improvement, the the building, and then we add the solar onto it. Uh-huh. And so, you know, as we get closer and closer to 100%, we have this backsliding issue, you know, at least in theory, where you're bringing a 0% renewable project onto a, let's call it 50% renewable grid, and you'll immediately draw our averages down. So as we move forward in Hawaii, you know, we eventually need to fix this where you can come online with something that has as much renewable energy percentage-wise as the grid currently does, so it doesn't immediately drag the averages back. Oh, wow, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. so when we're planning kind of the expansion of our community with those new projects, they should be taking into account what kind of energy consumption do they have and then how can they offset that with Gen. That's really, yeah, it's a great way to look at it. It's kind of very future kind of leaning, what's happening over the next couple of years, you know, the next decade, and how do we get to that 100% renewable energy goal? Yeah, we need to, we need to start planning for that now. One other thing that I noticed in this is that the, uh, the California law doesn't um, have a clause for, for storage for battery. Um, and that that's a, a major oversight. In, Interesting. In my opinion. Well, I mean, they probably. I mean, it was probably so much just to get through that one piece. But then I, I would think that then it would like if you look at companies that are probably going to dominate this business, like Solar Edge, right? They have. Um, they 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 said they they're taking their seven sixes, their storage products and they're um, kind of downgrading them to like three eights to make them cheaper to sell them less expensive to the builders at wholesale or at some kind of a, a cost a benefit so they can actually incorporate you know their products in there but then of course the homeowners will be able to uh, upgrade them you know through a simple firmware probably push over the internet of the cloud I'd suspect but the, but when you, when I talk to solar edge they're literally phasing out th- at those scales the the non um, the non-battery integratable inverters so they're all going to be that way right so it's 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 a it's going to be an option for anybody that has that technology installed, Jay. Right. Okay. Okay. So what's next? What is we got here? You want to do the uh, the rooftop solar expensive okay, well, we have, one? We have letter. Yeah, we have we have letter to the editor type of stuff. This is interesting. Um, so a, a letter to the editor sent to the Mercury News. Um, a short letter just basically says that rooftop solar is dangerous, expensive, and uh, has a serious electrocution and um, risks of like firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> so the the California this is basically fighting back against that California law. Um, it's far more economical to produce solar power in large solar farms. Yes, we know this. Um, our taxes subsidize these farms. Now I'm not so sure about that. Um, how much of our taxes are subsidizing um, solar farms? No, certainly not in California for us. But I don't know what the laws look like there. Um, but because thousands of po- watts of power can flow through them when the sun is shining, even if they're shut off, um, and they they can electrocute firefighters when they spray water on them is that is, there, is that a thing you know it just, just feels like a bit of a <laughs> it, 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 see, it seems to me like don't 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 urinate on the third rail kind of thing oh, you know <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it, it sounds yeah. like that to me I, I mean there's certainly a legitimate uh you know changes to the way fire firemen and, and and the fire departments have to deal with fires based on solar panels but there are uh you know systems in place to protect against that there's disconnects there's uh, there's mechanisms to protect them people and they're being trained for this process for sure for years so i I don't know. It just—it's a very short article. It just feels like a bit of clickbait to me. That's the way. I mean, I don't know. What no, do you no. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's very much like I said. It's a short letter to the editor. Yeah. 
Oh, right, right. It's a letter to the editor. Yeah. I think it's all very 10 years ago. I mean, we went through this here on the rooftop. It's a legitimate issue in the sense, uh, at least for a daytime response. You know, nighttime fires, you know, is really not so much an issue. But, again, we, we have a very standard approach here with the disconnects and marking them in a certain way and putting them in a certain place. And I have never heard of an actual, there you, go. you know, problem in Hawaii. But, but certainly the fire department here and the others are aware of it. Honestly, I'm more concerned on the EV side. You know, so mm-hmm. when you have a crash of an EV, you know, this is where it is a little tricky. You know, when hybrids first uh, came out, they were worried on this. And it hasn't been much of an issue. But, you know, what are you supposed to do if you're the fireman? You come and the, the Tesla's been split open because some crazy guy drove at 100 miles an hour. And, you know, and, yeah. and, and so those Literally kinds of situations. Speed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how do, how do they deal with that? So I, I actually think it's a more real issue on the EV side than it really is for rooftop solar. Okay. Well, I, um, I want yeah, to, we're, we're kind of getting a little close on our timing here, Jay. It's about one thirty. So why don't we yeah, just, uh, we, we, we got to go, we got to go to Maui, uh, right away because this is important to us. Right. Well, um, um so go ahead. Okay. So, so in the Maui news, a the solar project must be moved away from humans and homes. This is another kind of letter to the editor, uh, comment where, uh, they're just listing out reasons why, this uh, new proposed 200-acre solar plant for South Maui uh, needs to be moved away from them, um, and I'm sure they're 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 relatively close to this. Says they're this in is DA. this is up so, Maui Meadows one. So yeah, right. So Maui Meadows. There's one. some discussion. Um, so, yeah, and and what's I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to list I'm going to list off the um, list off the reasons, and then we can talk about it. So air okay. temperatures around solar pl- power plants are five. 0.4 to 7.2 degrees warmer than surrounding land. Uh, where did they get that number? I have no idea. Um, black glass panels uh, heating up the air is basically the idea. Um, five to six industrial strength inverters would, scatter, would be scattered throughout the product, emitting EMF, which uh, will be uh, dis- sending disruptive sine waves in unhealthy patterns uh, to, that will disrupt the cellular membranes throughout our bodies. Um, <laughs> the area is notoriously cloudy. Solar panels in cloudy can generate cloudy conditions generate just one third of their total capacity. And then with that 200 acres cleared, uh, what do with the denuded land uh, do to their uh, downhill? Uh, so they're just concerned with flooding and brown water increase. So this is another letter to the editor kind of thing, right? And yep. um, and uh, this is kind of the NIMBY. Can, can we address some of these concerns? Is what, what do you think, Doug? <laughs> I don't think you have long enough in the show to uh, to go through all of them. But and and in fairness, you know, I'm I'm involved with this project, so I'm I'm not neutral. But but I will say in general, you know, there's a couple of different issues here. You know, one is this is on ranch land and it's zoned agricultural, and solar is mm-hmm. a permitted use in ag land. So you know, you have this thing. This also is in the upcountry community plan. It is designated in that plan for agriculture and for you know uses like this that support yep. ag. But this is the boundary of that area. So you were saying, for example, you were calling on Maui Meadows project. I understand mm-hmm. why, because those folks have had the concerns. Right. But basically, you know, this is in the upcountry community plan, but it is at the boundary of that line. Right. So there's some important issues of principle here. You know, if you are if you own property that's at the edge of a boundary, do you have lesser rights to develop it than you would if it was back a little farther? So that's kind of an interesting issue. On the EMS side, you know, you, you have some history in Maui Meadows. Uh, they're really two separate issues people are arguing. One, there's this terminology, I don't know if you guys have run into this, about dirty versus clean electricity. And, you know, you can decide sure. for yourself how, how scientific, uh, dirty, and clean are as terms. But the concept is that, you know, the sine wave shape isn't smooth enough. Honestly, uh, I have only seen this as an inside-the-house issue, and it, mm-hmm. it is not a mainstream issue. I mean, there, there okay. are certain yeah, that, people that's, that are raising that's, it. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to bring up. Okay. So for everybody who really cares, um, the actual unit of uh, EMF strength is measured in teslas yes tesla um the reason why is because nikola tesla his he actually made his name in the transfer of of electricity wirelessly that's that's what his area of focus was for research he never really made it um his he vision envisioned a wireless power grid way back (laughs) in the day um but 
there's something called the inverse square law and the inverse cube law. And what happens is as, as you get away from it, if you double the distance, if it's the inverse square, you double the distance, um, it's our, the energy is reduced by a quarter. At three times the distance, the energy is reduced to a ninth of its total um, power. So unless you're sitting on top of one of these inverters, you're, you're really not going to be getting any significant amount of EMF radiation. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I believe you, Jay. <laughs> I think I think what I think what Doug was moving into was more in terms of the power quality, right? That was the discussion. Yeah, that's that's been the other piece is that somehow this is more dangerous near inverters. But I, again, I actually agree with Jason totally that you know the the physics here is pretty clear to most people that once you get a distance, let's call it fifty feet, seventy feet, whatever you want. I mean, that simply isn't measurable. And, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of our starting point. You don't need yeah. to become an expert or argue about clean or dirty. This point about changing the weather, though, is kind of an interesting point. Um, you know, if you think about the size of this project, for Hawaii standards, it's relatively big. But compared to what people are doing other places, it's, it's minuscule. Yeah. And if this weather issue is a real issue, you know, it's going to have interesting impacts in places like uh, Texas or, or California or right. even northern Africa. And, and we're still kind of researching that was a new issue to be raised it doesn't make sense to me honestly you know just kind of intellectually i mean we're not really having a net increase you know in the energy we're just capturing a portion of the the energy coming uh, down in the sunlight yeah so, that's yeah. that's that's and that's that's a basic tenet in physics is that you can't create energy or destroy energy it just changes form um we had this discussion a couple months ago i think about wind farms about wind, we're yeah. pulling energy out of the wind it actually slows the wind as a whole and, and it actually allows uh rain patterns to develop so it can change the weather the, the wind farms anyway significant amount of wind can okay. change the weather pattern um, we don't have enough data for, for solar yet, although I've heard that because the panels actually get the heat and it radiates back into the air, the ground is actually a little cooler and increases um, the That's ability right. of, um, of plants and stuff to grow. Right. So, Moisture retention, things of that nature, right? So, correct. Hey, correct. Okay. So there we could go on this forever. Uh, we definitely don't <laughs> want to uh, – uh, we want to grab as many of our future-focused orphans as possible. So let's go do our commercials. We'll come right back, and we'll jump into all these great articles that we've missed over the course of 2018. Aloha, and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric. A leading worldwide inverter manufacturer presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. 
Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. All righty, those are our wonderful sponsors. Thank you so much for keeping the Solar Coaster on air. We do appreciate you. And uh, if anyone would like to re-up or join as a sponsor, just give uh, a call to the Solar Coaster or check us out on the website. Um, Jay, this is an important show uh, for a lot of reasons. We like to say we have this uh, future-focused section. I'd say we get in there about 20% of the time uh, because our main content usually eats it all up. Uh, we talked about yep, doing a two-hour yep. show. I'm so sorry, Maui. You'd have to hear us for two hours. Can you imagine that? But uh, no, we, we would like to touch base on some of these cool articles that we missed over the years and we're going to have to move kind of briskly this is going to be geeky this is going to be wordy because we're we just going to do it talk too much that's right we here do. we go okay so welcome to the future <laughs> uh solar industry's future lies in lightweight technology uh this is a scientific america article talking about um how everything is everything is they're, they're targeting lighter weight materials because they're easier to ship easier to manufacture they get more solar uh production out of the same amount of material over to over from the entire chain, right? Yeah. Um, and and there's a lot of interesting stuff in this article. Um, silicon being very very heavy, uh, they do they do make a thin film silicon, but there's there's much better stuff out there. Um, the gallium arsenide stuff, the selenium, uh, a family of Rate rocks solar called perovskite. They're one, not actually yeah. rocks. Perovskites are a chemically manufactured compound. But okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you got them. Um, what did what did what did what did you think about this? <laughs> I think that this is the, uh, the the article that allows solar to go from something we use in our roofs and our homes and utility scale to something that integrates into the rest of our lives. I think that's what this is about. Sure. And, and we're really going sure. to hear more and more about this and how applicable can be can solar, can collecting photons be in our lives? Can we have it in our cell phones? Can we have it in our clothes? Can we have it in who knows what? And uh, and then will, will that how will that affect our lives and make our lives better? I got to tell you, my life would be a thousand times better if I wasn't constantly looking looking for a place to charge my phone, which I am always, I mean, this battery has just been the most abused. I'm, I'm convinced I've abused my battery well, think, more than okay, else Okay, so one, one, of the th one of the things they talk about in this article is the ability for like a device to even use the lights in your office building. So Indoor if you, you, work in an, you, work, you work in an office and you re-harvest that light, you have light there for you to see, but your device would also be able to harvest the light that's in the office and charge itself. So that would work for phones and drones and all sorts of things. Um, the, the the funny thing is you'd have to put your phone down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. That angle of incidence is getting worked out too, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah. okay. Uh, I know. I know. It's 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 funny. But I mean, it's, but they have all sorts all sorts of fun stuff in here about the thinning of materials, and that's that really is the future. As as we get better at manufacturing this stuff, they will be we'll be able to get more. Uh, area, more surface area oh, out of the same or less amount of material and, and generate more electricity. I mean, one it. specific example in the next article, if we can just pop right over to it, techexplore.com, fleece-sized yep. solar panels embedded in clothes can charge a mobile phone. So this is an example of a completely <laughs> different type of, of concept for how a solar panel could could uh, could could imp impact our lives. I got to tell you, I, you know, used to be in the textile trade an earlier life, and uh, I like the idea of putting solar panels in clothes or hats or backpacks or any of those things. I've seen them in backpacks. Yeah, you guys right. have too. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The bat, the bat, but the backpack ones are like a, a hard um, silicon shell, uh, and they really don't generate a whole lot. I mean, it's 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 a tiny little amount of power, um, five volts max, you know, you can't get there. Uh, this is interesting that they have these little tiny three millimeter by 1.5 millimeter cells that they weave into the yarn or the clothing mm. and then and then you you just basically wear it but it said they, they're they're completely encased uh, in silicone not silicon uh silicone to, to make it waterproof and then um you can you can wash it you wear it as and wash it as like just like regular it's almost clothes like, it's, it's almost like the, it's, <laughs> it's almost like the tesla roof right it's like this idea of of, by, of of bypassing the roof and becoming the standard you always have a solar cell on roofs that are put in now it's like we're going to just constantly we have a standard to have solar cells in our clothes like why would you in have non-solar cell textiles yeah, right. you can uh, have it well you you would absolutely want it uh the funny thing is that they've, they've got it up to 200 miniaturized cells in a piece of clothing that can generate anywhere between two and a half and ten volts 
which your your cell phone charges at five, just so in case you in case you wanted to know, but only 80 milliwatts in power. So that's not a lot. Um, and they say it'll charge a mobile phone and a Fitbit. The problem is they said a mobile phone. Now. They also said when they went on to say, well, you didn't actually like 2000 cells incorporated into the textile to generate enough to charge a smartphone. So apparently a mobile phone and a smartphone are not the same thing in their world, which I would, <laughs> I would beg to differ. It's the flip but, phone know, like, charger, need... the flip phone yeah, charger I, I, sweater. I, I think I think so. I think so. <laughs> Jay, let's keep moving <laughs> here, buddy. We a lot, it's not a, not more density, <laughs> density, but it's cool. Which one do you want to do next? Which would you want to take a look at one more PV? Uh, yeah, semiconductor nanowire. This is really interesting. You wanted to say that this was, um, what was it? The, Similar uh, to Andre Richter stuff, is it not? Andre Richter stuff. It is, it is not. This okay. is a completely different manufacturing process. Um, they're calling it Aerotaxi. They've actually, I went back to the, the manufacturer's website and found it. Um, they've copyrighted that term now, Aerotaxi. Um, but it's a low-cost path to high-efficiency PV um, through gallium, gallium arsenide nanowire. Now, there's gal that gallium, gallium arsenide, Jesus. Um, <laughs> gallium arsenide, um, again, uh, gallium arsenide is a very expensive uh, but highly efficient material for um, PV, much more than, than the silicon. Um, and they're, they're trying to use this in the most efficient way possible. So they're actually spraying it on with a nanowire um, manufacturing process uh, with little seeds uh, to start, to start the, the, the wire uh, growth. And they're getting more than 50% improvement compared to current um, silicon cells. But they are talking really about aerotaxy that is, is a word that's talking about movement of the energy once it's been created, right? That's the language that they're using there. Is that correct? Yeah, the aerotaxy system, because it's because there's not there's not actually a lot of material between these um, wires that they're, they're half embedded in a in a neutral material. And they, they have like a diode effect um, where the top of the wire, which is exposed, mm. will collect will collect the electron, oh, collect the photons. And then it, and it goes through one way. A diode only allows electricity to go one way. It's a one way valve for electricity. And so it goes through and then contacts the back sheet and then it's harvested. But it can't go back the other way. Remember, we talked about it before when the photon hits the half the time the electron goes and finds another um, atom to bond with before we can harvest that electron for electricity. Um, so this this diode effect from the nanowires is really, really efficient, which is cool. Uh, yes, very cool. Uh, how far out? I mean, one of the things about Future Focus actually, is... The, actually, that's, that, okay, that's, what, that's what I went to look up. And you can actually go to their website. It is uh, solvoltaics, S-O-L-V-O-L-T-A-I-C-S.com. They are offering panels now. No kidding. What are the prices? Yeah, yeah. You, these optical semiconductors like like GAN and like these others, I mean, they've been around for 10 years. They've just been really expensive you know, mm, to try really to work expensive. with. Really expensive, right, yeah. right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're making pretty good time here. Um, let's take yeah, a look. I'm going to contact them, see if we can get them on the show. <laughs> do you want to jump right over to storage? Do you want to do another one with PVJ? Um, well, let's do something kind of in between. Um, mm -hmm. Yeast. This is a Science and Technology Harvard Gazette article. Yeast gets a boost from solar power. Um, why yeast? Uh, it, it's kind of an odd thing, but yeast um, will, will generate, uh, will grow itself and generate um, material. Uh, for for or chemicals for a number of processes, and the researchers where was there's a Chinese team I don't remember, um, oh Harvard Harvard Weiss Institute um, created this biohybrid system where they're adding um, carbon fixing microbes to the yeast, and it, when exposed to light, they perform many, many times better than normal, which is really interesting as, as a chemical process. Mr. Porter. Yeah, no, <laughs> no? I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to follow <laughs> you here, buddy. <laughs> okay. is, is this it's, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to explain in a short radio show. Um, they're, they're harvesting electrons from the light and the hand, the, the electrons are handed over to the yeast cell with through the semiconductor, and then the yeast cell uses it um, to to elevate the, the its its own chemical processes. So is this the kind of so thing that's that's very far out? It's kind of like really in the R and D extremely, ex extremely, extremely. But it's like it's like um, so. In if, in case you're um, 
shikmic acid is one of the production modes and it's got an like an electric 11 fold increase using this this bio um chemical process so this looks like um we're, we're i mean it's a completely different thing than what we in a solar panel right it's something that is going to happen yeah no it's absolutely not I, I could see it used in manufacturing i could see it used in storage um they're they're looking for uh, ways to harvest solar energy and use it in other ways besides just trying to generate electricity directly. All right. All right. Well, that sounds like great stuff. Let's think about something I can actually conceptualize because that one, I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> All right. Then I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you pick off. Well, I, yeah, we want to talk about the mechanical grid storage because this is the fun stuff, right? Because if we can see, oh, this is like okay. a bigger rector set. This, this, is, this is what I did want to talk about. I mean, can you imagine driving down the street and seeing one of these? <laughs> you got to explain um, the picture first, though. Okay. So the t basically the picture is just a big tower of cement blocks built around a central column with a whole bunch of cranes on top. So imagine like a building that's not done. You have a big, big skyscraper there and the crane is on top lifting materials up. Well, all this thing does is lift heavy blocks <laughs> and stack them. It's and then <laughs> and it uses, uses energy while it's doing that. So it's stacking up these blocks. But then when it needs to generate energy, it actually just runs in reverse where it will take a block and it will let, it, let the block, let gravity pull it back down. You've already put the energy into it to rise it up. It's now potential energy at the top of this tower. And you let, it, let the machine just drive itself back down. And by harvesting that energy, it's like the regenerative brakes and brakes on your EV, you can actually pull electricity back out of that. It's actually quite efficient. Um, somewhere in the 90s, which I was surprised at. Um, yeah, this, and, I mean, and to, you, for yeah, the folks at home, it, it looks like one of those rides at a theme park where people have those kind of fake uh, um, uh, parachutes, right? It's kind of, in a sense, like a big tower, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, then people, and then the people are coming down, right? So in this case, there are concrete blocks, and that energy is being harvested. Uh, a pretty remarkable concept. I mean, uh, do you think that it's uh, it's in a place where it could – has it been used, I guess is the question. Has this been done anywhere right now, or is this uh, – I think, I think it's been done. They would have had a picture of it All right <laughs> this is just a, this is just a cg rendering there's but I, I, do, stuff. I love yeah. it yeah i love the concept i think they should definitely do it as a pyramid as opposed to a giant column that will fall over <laughs> what, what do you think what do you think doug this is really similar to some <laughs> stuff that's been done with the locomotive engines right and it's pump right. storage hydro so it's all the same idea yes, yes. And, it, and it works but you know you, you can imagine when you see that um where do you really locate that? You know, that's that's a little tricky. And I've heard plenty of people say, well, this would work in a connection with a wind turbine. Yeah. And I just, you know, it's going to get very ugly because the base oh, would get oh, really wide. Yeah, you need a place where you've got something really strong up high, right. you know, that you can do this dropping from. And the other piece that if someone's just listening on the radio may be hard to understand is you can have both activities going on at the same time. You know, both a lifting and a dropping because you're going to be both storing and generating right. electricity at the same time. Right. So all these work in, in theory, and, and it's just, you know, where does it actually make sense? Uh, th I think that's one of the most uh, compelling visually that we see here right now. But that's great to kind of pair it up with uh, lo locomotion, the locomotive concept, and then also the uh, pumped storage hydro. Hey, Jay, I'd like to take a look at the uh, ice battery from Australia. And so sure. it looks like what they're doing here is they're creating uh, you know, ice, and then they're saying that these are all you know, potential competitors to lithium ion, which is kind of the, the storage of the day, the kind of storage du jour, right? But there's all these different right. ideas out there, and there are limitations to, to lithium, right? So, for example, cobalt, the, the availability and the, and, the, and the supply chain of cobalt is controversial. And so uh, what are some of the other options? And, uh, and, and, this, and some of these are the different types of possibilities out there. But with one of the quotes at this particular one, they're talking about making refrigeration with ice is that <clears throat> it, it doesn't ever lose its sufficiency. So, you know, the guy is like, hey, we, uh, we guarantee we'll make the same amount of ice, said the uh, uh, CEO, Mike Hopkins. It's a tank of water and it freezes. It doesn't freeze less over 20 years. Oh, that was a great quote. I mean, he's talking about <laughs> <laughs> different ways to do it, right? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, so it's basically taking uh, when, when there's plenty of power. These devices need to be smart. That's, that's one of the qualifications for all these kind of future-focused things is that it knows that, now is the time to pull energy because I have a whole lot of extra PV or I have a whole lot of extra wind. And so it will massively chill this tank of water and turn it into ice. Now, ice is actually like the lack of energy. It's pulling energy out of the water, right? Uh, but then you can use that lack of energy, the cool, to circulate some air 
through it. So if you had a tank of water that had a heat exchanger through it, you could blow air through it. It would eventually cool and you would be heating up the water, but your air comes out cold. And that's the practical upshot of an air conditioner in, in any respect. You know, you just want that cold air. So this is an air conditioner that will run off basically a big block of ice. <laughs> and they said it and they said it'll run for three hours <coughs> after, once it's once it's completely chilled, once it's completely frozen without pulling any energy, except for the fan, I would assume. I, the Harley dealer here on Maui has an ice cooling system, and I think it's been pretty successful for them. Really? Yes. I'll have to go check that out. <coughs> All right, Jay. Cool, cool. Did I lose you? Yeah. Where'd you go? <laughs> You're all right. Okay. Um, so let's go right into, I want to do this because this is fun. Um, there's a solar lawnmower that was, this is a nice picture from a 1959 newspaper, the comic with the, the obstacle detector antenna and the electric eye starter. Um, the solar generator is a big, like old looking dish. It's kind of funny. Um, but ro robotic lawnmowers <laughs> are actually a thing. We heard people talking about it last week, was it? Um, with the, um, with the big meeting and people asking about the, the, the efficiencies of electric um, lawn care material because it's just it's it's actually a serious concern you can you can get better efficiencies uh, same with the EV where you don't have to buy gas the maintenance is less all of these things that are um, that are that are just better with with using the electrics <clears throat> so <clears throat> pardon so People are hesitant to buy these contraptions with sharp blades driving around by itself. Um, and, and I'd like to know everybody's opinion on these things. <laughs> I think it's just the outdoor Roomba. You know, this is going to be happening, and it's more, I think, uh, just price and getting people used to it. But no one gets surprised seeing these, you know, robot vacuums cruising around in a building anymore. Yeah, absolutely. But a vacuum can't chop your leg off either <laughs> i suppose but i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of precedent for this the the military has those the the autonomous pack mules uh that's what they're they're being called that's actually a big dog from from a massachusetts company um a lot of a lot of drones and things all all driving around autonomously these days um and and the robotic lawnmowers are actually really 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 good looking these days i the one biggest problem i saw is that they have a hard time with verticals so if you have a nice flat yard um you live you live down kihei and you have a nice little flat yard that the, the robotic lawnmower is just like perfect for you and it's automatic i mean you can stick it um in a corner underneath a bush or something a little to a <coughs> charger station it just lives in there and then it will come out and mow your lawn um, on a regular schedule you could even have it do it because since they're electric they're much quieter you could actually have it run at a, at a, at a late hour and just wake up and your lawn is done <laughs> okay jay so um we got two more articles left are you finished <laughs> yeah yeah i'm done buddy okay um so one one more thing is the meet the solar explorer um, polar polar explorer made from recycled plastic a dutch couple has managed to combine two great ideas um, they wanted to go to the south pole and build their own polar explorer um, but they made it out of 100 um, percent recycled <laughs> recycled plastic made by a 3d printer um, and it's got these big giant solar panels on it but they are facing um, pretty much almost almost 90 degrees to the side because they're at the, they're at the bottom of the uh the bottom of the world and this is really really cool it actually goes eight kilometers per hour but i mean that's that's pretty pretty reasonable for for not having any any gasoline on board there you go jay you can close, uh -oh. close the uh -oh. show out or no that's it <laughs> you no you can go talk about your saudi arabian city real quick go 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 there's a great city that's going to be in saudi arabia called was it neom Neom, $500 billion yep. high-tech city. Uh, that's the one to check out. That's on the nextbigfuture.com. Uh, <coughs> quite a show. Uh, so, Future hey. Focus never gets <laughs> enough time, no matter what we do. <laughs> Definitely want to cover that one. I think it's actually its own show uh, sometime in the upcoming uh, maybe months. We'll get somebody in from Saudi Arabia to talk about sure. this. All right, yeah, hey folks. Farms. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Solar Coaster. We're sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Uh, it's been a great show, guys. Do appreciate it. Aloha. Aloha Friday, folks. Aloha.